0: Well, good morning, once again. Um, It's been an absolute delight for Harriet and I to be back here again. And, um, man, many, many fond memories. We were here for nine years and uh, loved every minute of it. And And I'm not just saying this just because of what Lance just said. And by the way, Lance, thank you for entrusting your pulpit. I do not take it lightly when any pastor surrenders his pulpit and I'm grateful for that and thank you for the church fellowship your generosity to us and your prayers for us um, the fact that um, this church was our home we, I can honestly say with a clear with a clear conscience that this by far and away has been was the best most fun enriching church we ever attended and we have attended a fair amount of churches uh, super grateful for uh, our whole experience here. And man, you need to thank God for the pastoral staff you have. You are getting top-notch teaching uh, from the word of God by which you are able to grow. You know, and again, as I, uh, let, me, let me call this up here. You know, as I was um, just, again, the, the songs uh, that we just sang, lover of my soul, what an unbelievable savior we have. Man, do not ever forget that he called you to himself with eyes wide open as to who you really are and how needy you really are and how bad the bad news really is. And he still said, Come, I want you. Fully forgiven, fully forgiven. You're not on probation. It's not a conditional suspension of a sentence. Paid in full, lover of my soul. That's one of the things I love about the Lord Jesus. He has an exhaustive understanding of me and still doesn't give up on me. Still works with me. And it's true for you. The good news isn't just evangel; It's the good news for disciples too. We're constantly going back to Calvary. Um course I'm involved in now we're involved in training others to take the gospel to unreached people groups which includes Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, tribal animists and I'm thinking to myself that the beauty of the glory of the wonder of the gospel and what we just sang about and how unique, one of a kind and nobody even comes close kind of a message. Islam one of the most merit-based religions you're going to find. Same with Hinduism, Buddhism, as they wrestle with karma and those two particular religions. Striving, trying to merit, trying to earn. and it's not going to work. The bad news is as bad as it comes. And yet the beauty and the offer of full forgiveness in the good news, um, Lance and I were talking earlier this morning, and you know, I was reminded of the truth of the matter that the glorification of the glory of God is at Calvary. And yet, in Islam, that gospel message is blasphemy. Because you're saying that the transcendent God, number one, actually became incarnate? That's blasphemy. And yet, to think of the condescendant of the triune God, that he would condescend in the person of the Son to join in solidarity with the human race and lock himself in that identity for all eternity with human beings. The humility, the utter and complete humility of the Lord to love us at that level. And yet, Islam would see that as blasphemy. The 99 names of Allah does not include father. And in fact, Islam would say, Allah is not a father, neither does he have a son. And yet the Lord Jesus, in direct address to God, used father more than any other term, except on the cross, when he was becoming sin for you and I. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? as he's cut off from the Father, becoming sin for you and I, but then after it is paid in full, he says, it is finished. And then he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The beauty and the wonder of the gospel, the incomparable goodness of the good news. Man, I hope, and my one desire this whole weekend has been to draw you to the person of Christ. I could care less about what you know about Harriet and I. Uh, No, He should be the focus of everything we're saying. Your attraction should be to Him. He alone is your Savior, your Lord, the lover of your soul, The one who is for you. Who will never forsake you. How good is the good news? Man, it's it's beyond our wildest dreams. Of how good it really is. You know, sometimes you get online. You you see people uh, ripping on Christianity. And what they're saying about it. The God of the Bible and Jesus. Unrecognizable. Whoever they're talking about. Certainly Certainly not the one we find here. Often I hear guys, the way they're talking online, the God of Christianity or Jesus, again, who, whoever that is, sounds more like Satan than the true testimony that God has given about his son. This is where we clear and blow away the fog of so much of... Uh, stuff that we are constantly uh, hearing as we enter the shark-infested waters of the Internet. And um, anyway, th- that's my desire this hour as well, that we, man, focus on the Lord Jesus. I want to talk to you this morning about um, being involved, yet as you are, and again, those ministries out in the foyer there and... Uh, others who aren't here and maybe aren't mentioned and so on, so many golden opportunities. The God God who said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he's never rescinded that command, never rescinded it, and so it is to the ends of the earth, to the end of the age, and my desire hopefully is to share in such a way that God may challenge you, I don't know where you're at in your individual walk with the Lord, but that you might humbly consider, Lord, what how might I get great, more, more fully involved? locally, globally, whatever he has for you, whether you're single, whether you're newly mar- married, whether, whether you're <laughs> whether you're 25, 55, 65, hey, I am 71 years old. I know I don't look it, but yes, I am 71. The students I, I talk about hey I will tell you what, I feel great I do feel like I'm in my 40s well maybe not my 40s um, maybe like 50 I feel great um, but I want to serve the Lord as long as I have air and the sound mind I want to keep traveling the globe we have been involved uh, we were involved with neutralized mission for 35 years they're now in 2017 their name changed to ethnos 360 and um, 20-some uh, years, well, 18 years on the field, and after that, been involved in training the next generation of new missionaries, the new George and Harriots who are going out to the field for the first time. How do you learn another language, culture, and worldview? Not just that you have to, how? What is the practical way? How can you actually learn another person or group of people's worldview? so you can understand how they're looking at every aspect of life. There, there is a way, I believe, a demonstrable way that you can, any worldview, any culture, there are ways to do it. And I believe we can help people in that and that's what we're involved in. That's why we started this uh, group that it's no longer exists now. It served its function for about 14 years, worldview resource group, where we took the kinds of principles that we used in new tribes and made it available to a larger missions community around the world. And during those seven years, we were with Worldview Resource Group traveling the globe. The Lord um, gave me an opportunity to visit 12 different countries to see way beyond Papua New Guinea, different contexts, whether it was urban, village, uh, peasant village, or rural areas, whether it was Hindu, Buddhistic, islamic secular atheists eastern europe south america asia so the lord put the learning curve man i learned all kinds of stuff and i did find the body of christ is awesome man there are so many people wanting to be trained going around the globe and god has given me and Harriet the opportunity to be involved in interact ministries now in a very very difficult part of the world first nations people that even extending over into siberia where um, a lot of people uh, still yet to hear the gospel huge challenges on these mission fields and we're trying to help interact during these days i also we're also involved in helping this organization called eagles of peace that are training both central and south american latin americans who want to they're yeah they're signing up for the long haul not just a missions trip. These guys are turning this into a career. This has been off the charge awesome and seeing these guys launching out from both South and Central America, long training where they're learning the skills to learn another language, culture, and worldview, how to preach the gospel and the church planning principles to see that church go on to maturity. Um, Harriet and I can't even put into words the the delight it is to work with these guys, the honor and the privilege, these brothers and sisters wanting to go. These guys mostly are going to, there's golden opportunities in Asia and Africa and in the Balkans where currently these guys are headed. I also have been involved with Radius International. Actually, I've been involved with Radius International whose training center is down in Tijuana, Mexico. And I hear you have a group of 15 or so Going this summer, you guys are going to love it. These guys, again, these are most, if I could be, I don't think I'm wrong, but almost every single one that's going there has a 4 years degree. These guys are already professionals. Many of them already have careers. I was there just two weeks ago tre- uh, teaching on animism and folk religion and on cross-cultural evangelism. I sat, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting at the table there. Here's a doctor, a nurse, here's a veterinarian. Um, There's accountants, oil executives, oil company executives, guys that are well able to make all kinds of money, but the Lord has led them in such a way, they've put that aside to head into a career of cross-cultural ministry that's going to be decades long. What a privilege to have a chance and an opportunity to help equip these guys in taking the gospel cross-culturally. Okay, so that's what Harry and I are doing these days. This morning, I want to continue where we left off Friday night and what God is doing and has done and is doing with the Besodio people. And I'm only using this as an illustration of the living God using the living word of God to make a deep impact on an unreached people group. And the reason I'm doing that is because I do not believe when I'm invited to this pulpit that now I'm to be up here expounding the scriptures necessarily. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I don't see that as my primary duty because you have a very gifted pastoral staff. Any of the staff here, well, well capable to feed you richly from the word of God. I believe my testimony, or, or my job here is to give God's testimony as to what he's doing. To report to the local church, how God has been uh, working around the world. And so I want to continue what God's testimony is. And so if you remember Friday night, we did talk about evangelism and how uh, the Lord led us to teach from the beginning in Genesis going through the Old Testament up to the Gospels where we presented the Gospel. And then, of course, we had a church that was born. And, man, the the first thing the Basodios wanted to do was to tell their relatives. And it was interesting. After these guys came to the Lord, they said, Man, our relatives are never going to understand this message unless they are taught as we've been taught. And so they started immediately sharing with their relatives who had come in from the mountains. Starting in Genesis and working their way through the scriptures until they led them to the Lord, and the reason doing it, so that the gospel is clear. Um, They're not speaking into a blank page, right? They had an animistic understanding. They had a very um, complex spirit world beliefs and everything. It was very uh, complex, and yet, so you've got to take the truth of God's word and speak it into that. So that truth could begin to dislodge falsehood. And to where truth, as the Lord Jesus said, will set you free and you will be free indeed. And that's what the apostles testified to over and over again. So now, the reason we want to continue on, now that we had newborn church, the desire, as Paul expressed through the Spirit of God, to the church at Colossae. And don't forget, when he wrote the book of Colossians, Paul's about... Thirty years deep into ministry. And he's in prison writing, and he says he wanted prayer, and his desire was that they may present his he strove in ministry that he said we may present everyone mature, not just pastors, not just the leaders of the churches, but that everyone fully mature in Christ. For this I toil, or to this end I toil, struggling with all his, that is Christ, energy, that he powerfully works within me. In other words, Paul is saying, the Lord Jesus is working powerfully within me so that everyone might be fully mature. It brings God no glory to see his children born again and yet remain spiritual babies five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, knowing the Lord and people still spiritually immature, still babies in Christ. That brings him no glory or honor and that's not where he's going to leave it. And so maturity is the goal, to bring glory and honor that we may walk in the good works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we continued on then with the book of Acts. And as we went on to the book of Acts, again, keeping the Bible together as one story. As the Basodios, Basodios, taking our time like this, the Basodios were seeing that the Bible is one story. It's not 66 books all jumbled up. It's one coherent story with many testimonies from these different authors of the different books, but it's one united story. So as we continued on in the book of Acts, They saw believers' baptism. They saw the Lord's Supper. They saw the offices of elders and deacons come into being. They saw the model of the first century church passing the word, enduring persecution, spreading the gospel. And as, again, the Lord taking the word of God through the spirit of God and challenging the of church, the new believers saw, well, wait, we've got to keep taking the gospel further still yet again. And so we stopped teaching, literally stopped the teaching of the book of Acts and in fellowship with the believers at their desire, together with us, um, we headed out to another little hamlet out there, about three days further walk west. There was 30 believers that wanted to come with my coworker Bob and I. We left our wives and children at the main village and we took off. And we were going to be gone for six weeks Just further in the jungle, who was going to take care of the wives and the children? The Lord would. Who takes care of you here? Your locks on your homes? No, the Lord does. It's the Lord who ultimately we're trusting. And so as we headed out, we got there and there was like... um, 28 people at this little Hamlet site. These guys had come together. They heard we were coming to share this God's talk, whatever that was. They just knew it was an important message and had a deep impact on the Basodios at this village. And now we're taking it to other Bisodios living at this little Hamlet site. So we get there and we start the very next day at their request. Guys, they asked us to teach them morning and evening, morning and evening, every day of the week, and once on Saturday. At their request, we were meeting 11 times a week. And the Basodia believers were now, who came, we went with, to this Hamlet site, they are co-teaching with us now. Now they're proactively helping to proclaim the gospel to their own people at this uh, hamlet site that was further away as we continued on through the scriptures when we got to the book of Noah now here's another 32 that have come in from these out, outer regions walking two and three days walk away, and now there's 60 of these people, and there's 30 of us, there's 90 of us, counting the kids, there's over 100 people crammed on this little hillside. This little hamlet was not meant, and the gardens around it, to feed that many people. So now there was a food quest on. And um, I remember our dear friend, Miley, he was there with us, he's one of our pastors, he's one of the most humble godly human beings you're going to meet anywhere on planet earth so we're at this little hamlet site food the food quest is on there's not enough to go around these guys the believers said we'll just eat the crumbs let the 60 new people that have come let them have the lion's share of the food we don't want them distracted with hunger pangs and so as we're there Miley is together with us. He's co-teaching with us. And Miley said this prayer. And we recorded it. And he said. uh, uh, Well let me show you his feet first. These are Miley's feet. And the reason I'm showing you his feet. Because the scripture says. How beautiful are the feet. That bring the good news. I know where those feet have been. For decades. Those feet have been over mountain after mountain in both evangelistic and discipleship efforts. Miley is probably one of the poorest human beings on planet earth. Poverty at a whole new level you can't even begin to imagine. All his possessions would fit in any grocery bag you're going to use at King Super's. But he loves the Lord Jesus Christ and he lives with eternity in view. The gospel says, uh, the scripture says that the gospel, the treasure of the gospel is in charge jars of clay that's my lay well the food quest is on and my lay prayed this prayer transcribed to the letter lord we don't have a lot of food here and it's hard but please cause what little food we have to be sufficient for us make it feel like a lot in our stomachs we didn't come here to eat lord But we came to tell those who've never heard so that they too might have an opportunity to believe on Christ. Lord, please, cause the little we have to be sufficient for us so that we can keep going. You know, and I listened to that prayer and I know Miley, a dear and precious friend, in fact, we were just with him here in October preaching the word of God. He's an unbelievable Bible teacher. The wisdom and the insight that God has given him over the years, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He loves God. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Speaking of Miley, he, I went back on one of the trips. It just comes in mind. I go back on one of my itinerary visits, and we're visiting the church. See how they're doing? Miley's one of our pastors now. And uh, over the years, gold's been discovered in them. their hills. Australian mining companies came in, and they discovered gold in our area and taught the Pisodios how to pan for alluvial gold. So I go back on one of these visits. And Miley says, he comes in the house and he puts out his callous, dirty hand from working out in the garden. And he says to my co-worker and I, we're there on an itinerant visit. And he says, Bob and George, do you, do you see this hand? And we said, yes, Miley. We see that hand. He says, I don't want gold ever to touch this hand. And he said, do you know why? We said, no, we don't know, we don't know why, Miley. He says, because I know that if gold ever touches this hand, I'm only going to want more and more and more. And that will take me away from what God's called me to And so I, and that's to take care of his people. So I don't even go near the creeks lest I be tempted. When I heard Miley saying that, I got to be honest because I had just left Colorado Springs. We were living here at the time. And I was only over there on an itinerant visit. It was like a dagger in my heart. Why? Because I had a rotten attitude toward my neighbor over there in Stetson Hills because he had a dandelion factory going on and dandelions were getting all over my lawn. It was like a wake-up call. Good morning, George. Hello! (laughs) Who's discipling who here? Yeah. Easy to lose perspective. Thank you, God, for using my lay to rebuke moi. To rebuke me. Easy, isn't it? I had a Korean couple in our training in Missouri when Harriet and I were at New Tribes uh, two-year residential training program. And uh, this Korean couple who had come from Korea, South Korea, to do training at the Bible school and then through there. So they were in the States like five, six years getting training. And he said, man, now that I'm going back and getting ready for the mission field they were going to go to Indonesia I'm finding that I have to divest myself he said I've taken on the american mindset he says you really, you guys really like to collect stuff don't you he just thought he just was talking about the materialistic mindset that's so easy creep in on us it's not it's not wrong to have things it's it's, it's, it's when things have their hold on us. You remember the rich man? You know what? The rich man, right, he comes. Hey, what do I have to do? The Lord told him to let that stuff go and he went away sorrowfully. You know what? Even there, if you read one of the synoptic gospels, when the rich man ruler comes to him and he's going to tell the Lord he's kept all the commandments, one of the synoptic gospels says the Lord looked at him and loved him. And he loved him. And the Lord knew what was in the guy's heart. And he knew what the guy was going to answer. And yet the Lord loved him. And no doubt the Lord continued to pursue him. And so we did share the gospel there. And 42 of the 60 came to the Lord. And then included Monoah. A blind man who was carried two days walk, literally carried in a string net bag. Because he couldn't walk. He's blind over the mountains. And the guy carried him two, month, two, two days to where we were meeting so he could hear the gospel too. It also included a shaman. And I remember when we were going through here, he said he felt the demonic forces trying to keep him away from hearing the gospel. And was asking us... To pray for him during the preaching as we were sharing during those weeks. But he finally came to Christ and after instruction and baptism and all that that meant, um, we actually had a baptism. So, so grateful for what the Lord has done. And then of course after the book of Acts with the believers and the churches, we went on with the New Testament epistles and the book of Revelation to, to complete the full Bible, right? The whole counsel of God so that the believers could know and they could understand their new responsibilities, this new identity they had, this new purpose. There were new desires, a whole new moral compass. The beauty of teaching the book of Acts, and we spent four months in the book of Acts, Paul the Apostle, Paul the Apostle pops out the book of Acts as a hero. And the, he... The Pisodios gave Paul their undivided attention. So we get into Romans, man, they're all, they are all antennas up. What's Paul going to say? We're the Gentiles that he's preaching to. So what did God have him say? It was awesome to see that and to see their respect for the Lord's apostle to the Gentiles. And they're keeping track. In. When you get into Romans 4, you're talking about, was Abraham justified before, by faith before or after circumcision? Pisodios didn't have to guess. They knew the chronology. You get into the book in Hebrews, the one-time sacrifice, all these t- things. It takes time to teach that way, but it pays huge dividends in seeing the church go on to maturity. As we got into the book of Romans, Hamiyagu, again, the Spirit of God taking the Word of God. He just said, man, I want God's Word to just keep filling up my heart and filling it up to overflowing. Hamiagu was the one, if you were here Friday night, that got up on that tree step, tree stump and gave that public apology, uh, sorry, testimony of his confession of Christ, that he believed that the Lord Jesus had died for him. And I think I shared that with you on Friday night. And um, Kwanawa, as we got into Romans 7, where Paul talks about the wrestling with, uh, with the sin nature and so on. And he says, wow, the wrestlings that Paul went through, how I can relate to that. When will we stop using foul language? A new concern. Yeah, God has a new way of life. We finished Romans 8, and I remember walking out of there at the meeting, and this really stood out to me, because Miley, and this is Miley, the guy with the feet I just showed you, we're walking back to my house from the church building, and he says, George, I thank God when he points out needs in my life. And I, and I said, you do? Man, well, I don't. I'm thinking to myself, And I said, well, Miley, why is that? And he simply said this, well, if he didn't do that, how else could I be conformed to the image of Christ? How was he going to be transformed? The was learning how to interact with one another and how to do body life. Harriet, I thank God for my dear and precious wife working with me side by side, became fluent in the language, discipling the ladies. Ladies, do not underestimate the role you play in ministry and in life. And not only seeing others come to Christ, but discipling and influencing, helping other women, whether they're single or moms or, parents or, or wives, how to be godly, how to walk with the Lord, things you've learned, lessons you've learned, all that crucial. And there was my dear wife. And so they're reading... In the book of Ephesians, and they came across this passage about not uh, talking corruptly, gossiping, looking down at others, and so on. And as Harriet in this photo, you can't see her, there's about 20 ladies in this uh, structure that Harriet was sitting under. And um, the two ladies, they just stopped. And the one lady, after reading this, they just paused. And Harriet said she couldn't believe what she witnessed. And the one lady says, I, I've been gossiping about you and I've actually been despising you in my heart and I need to ask your forgiveness. And the other lady confessed the same thing back and here they were, coming clean as it were, confessing to one another right there, just on the spot as the Spirit of God prompted these ladies reading truth and then Harriet said, after they made things right with one another, They went on reading. Listen, that's an important principle, is it not? Is it not? Um, What is Satan's methodology? Divide and conquer. If he can make divisions in a church like this, man, that's what he's going to do. I was just recently over there, like I said, in September, October, Harry and I went over for an itinerant visit. One o'clock in the morning, I I heard some sounds in the, you know, it's pitch black in the, in the jungle it's not like there's city lights that are lighting up the place it's pitch black but I saw a flashlight going from one house to another one in the morning because I heard some voices and stuff so I looked out the next morning I asked my neighbor what was going on he says oh it was a couple of us leaders just making things right with one another so we got our wives and kids together as families and we met we talked we shared openly we prayed And then we were going back, one of us was going back to the house. One in the morning, as leaders, getting right with one another, and they got their wives and little kids right there watching it all. I wouldn't have even known that went down had I not heard a little commotion and happened to wake up out of a stupor and peer out my window there in the village to see that happen. So this whole thing of, Living together in body life, a whole new way of interacting as a community of believers. What's the scripture saying? Gala- when they get to Galatians and read uh, Gal- Galatians and read this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, you, or you also may be tempted. I've talked to Tuduama. Tuduama is one of our pastors, and he says, you know what? When I, well, as I shepherd God's people, as I see a need, the first thing I ask the Lord is, Lord, what about me? How am I doing in this area? What about me? You know, I'm going to shine the light on everybody else. Lord, how am I doing? You know, I see, you ever go online, you see the comments that people make. Aah! You know, about so many lines down, about 45 exclamation points not even relative to what started just the craziness that goes on the neediness shining oh, commenting on everybody else how, how much of the light is coming back this way wait time out flag on the field hold on how are we doing Lord how am I doing in this area Ready to critique everybody else. And I just love the way the Lord has led Sudawamma in that. The Basodia is judging previous practices, these initiation rites. They no longer exist. Not because we told them to, to stop that, because they, over time, have brought that under judgment through the Word of God. That's why they're not doing it, through what the Scriptures have said. Not the white man's Word, not the black man's Word, it's His Word. To what they're yielding to and surrendering to. In pre-evangelistic days, they used to sit around the house like this and adults would tell stories about the spirit world and little ones would hear the stories about this spirit, about that spirit. The way that worldview was developed. But now, as Christians, it's the word of God as they sit around. And now, as mom and dad are sharing... The little kids have a whole new story that they're hearing, a whole new set of worldview assumptions to help give them an understanding about truth and about the nature of reality. As the scripture says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Men, leading your families, being mature, uh, not letting the wives do everything, not that the moms shouldn't be involved in that, of course, too, but we should be leading, leading, mature, Godly homes where we're in the scriptures on a regular basis. Feeding our family and teaching our children and modeling the life of Christ. Um, The Pisodias have even changed the way that their houses are made. Now they used to live in these extended families. You go into one home, 15, 20 people in one house. Now they've broken it down to where it's just a husband and wife and and their kids. Why? You ask them, why does the village look different? We want to teach our kids God's word, there's too much confusion when you got that many people in the house. So now we just want to have our family devotions. We didn't tell them to do that. They did that. So the, the gospel has even made an impact that the village itself looks differently. Harriet um, had this uh, dear friend, Doniaka came up to Harriet uh, one day. And Harriet had been wondering where she was. And she came up to Harriet and she said, "Harry, could you help me? I have some, I I, I need some help. I've been reading the book of Revelation. Harriet kind of started panicking. The book of Revelation, well, you know, wait a minute. I'm not so sure I'm ready to handle that. But the thing was, she read in chapter two, this verse. And she was just coming to Harriet for help because she said she felt that she had lost her first love and she wanted to get it back. And so, of course, Harriet drew alongside this dear and precious sister and, and, uh, Encouraged her in the Lord through the very words she was reading. Again, working together as a team with my dear wife, and I was so grateful that Harriet dove dove deep into the language and culture and the relationships. Um, we had translated more of the scriptures, and um, like we have completed the whole Bible, but in the meantime, the New Testament was done in nineteen. 19- Eighty-nine, and over the course of time, as we got more and more done, we then did a republication of the New Testament and more of the Old Testament. Because as much as we had done and were able to do at the time, we took this republication back to them and were distributing to the bestodios. and they had a celebration. And during this time of celebration, this dear sister in Christ, Billamaye, comes up, and she's got this big grin, and says, "George, look." And yeah, <laughs> and she says. Look, and she walked me through what it meant on her face. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son all through the shed blood of his cross. Yeah, getting the gospel out. The Basodios have spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, every tongue, tribe, and nation. They made sure that there wasn't a square inch where the gospel has not gone and there isn't a square inch in their territory among their people where the gospel has not gone. They've also influenced a different people group, the Nadu, to make sure that they too they helped missionaries get in there. The Inadu were arch enemies of the Basodios, and the Basodios had a first hand effort in getting the gospel to the Inadus. The Malamata people, the Basodios were sharing the gospel with the Malamata people even before there were missionaries that eventually went in there. It'd be like Basodio might be like Spanish and Malamata like Portuguese. Um, there were some that were bilingual or trilingual, even, and knew the Hewa language. Two of the Basodios went from Basodio up to the Hewa, a seven-day hike away. No buses, no taxi cabs, no Uber, walking over the and, and and no restaurants. Go up and down Powers and Academy. How many restaurants are there? How many restaurants do we need? Think about it. The Baguido people. The Basodios didn't know that language, but it was interesting. I got an email from the missionary who eventually went in there, and he sent me, in part, this email, and he said this. Hey, George, guess why the Bogwido even wanted a missionary in the first place? Because they have seen the changed lives of the Basodios. Isn't that awesome? They notice a difference in the lives of the Basodios, and it has created a hunger in them. Okay, after our co-workers, Bob and Nubi, I'm watching the time here. Do I have a few more minutes? Somebody. Yes, keep going, George, okay. <laughs> Bob, Bob and, Bob and Nobi left Besodio, and they went to help this church plant at Malamata again. And so Bob and Nobi went there and learned that language too. Again, it'd be like learning Spanish and then learning Portuguese, related but different. So this church uh, has a, a, this village here, this language group has a church, and then they do an outreach to this other village of the same language, but it was just a different village. And then they wanted to do a post-gospel follow-up. So I happened to be in the country at this particular time period, just for a brief visit. And we were talking about doing, helping this newer church do, handle this outreach and the post-gospel follow-up. So one of the believers, Namolia, down in Basodia, said he would do it. And that was going to take him like a four-day journey over a rough, rugged mountainous terrain to go from Basodia all the way up to Hina. Okay, in the meantime, I leave New Guinea and get back to the States. I get back to the States, and my coworker Bob, who's still in Malamata, sends me an email, and he says, Hey, George, greetings from Malamata. I'm here with Namolia right now. As per our talk in Basodia, later here, it's time to go to Hina for post-gospel follow-up. Namolia said he would go, and we had encouraged him to bring someone to disciple. Well, he showed up with 13 people. I will give you the names. Discipleship in action, not a class, Discipleship 101, not saying that's wrong, but where's their curriculum? Out there in the real world, putting God's word in action. Show me your faith without doing anything, and I will show you my faith by what I do. During this time of celebration with the Bibles, Zodea, one of our deacons, he comes up and he says, hey, George, there's 52 new literates. Had a list of the names there. Why is literacy a big deal? Because they know that believers are not going to grow unless they can read God's word. And so we had this time of celebration, handing out Bibles, and I took this picture of one of the leader's wives as she grabbed the Bible, and again... This verse came to my mind. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Where are we? So do we consider this like, oh man, let me get into the word. Or are we living online? How many hours online? Today's teen, it's recorded, this document, it's documented, irrefutable. Nine hours a day. 63 hours a week. Whether it's on the phone, an iPad, computer, whatever, whatever. Unbelievable. That's a lot of competition for this. But how about adults? It's not just teens. Worldview assumptions are being shaped over and over. Who's getting a hearing? Who's getting a voice? The presodios know that it's the word of God that's going to set them free. And the same thing for them is the same thing for you and I. Do your best to present yourself approved to God As one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Man, guys, I train, I've trained millennials, now it's Gen Zers and stuff, and even older adults, I'm just being very candid, this is family talk, okay? Those that are coming in to be trained, their knowledge of the Bible is superficial, man. Doing, I don't know. Instead of putting on the scuba gear and going deep, it's almost like they're doing it on a jet ski. Man, we've got to be equipped. This has got to be the food for our spirits as the same thing all those restaurants provide all the delicacies for the physical body. Someone once asked, anybody visiting this blog? Anyone checking out these postings? Anyone? Someone said that once. Indeed. I'm going to close with this. That there's still over 3,000 language groups yet to hear the same good news you and I hear over and over, over and over, week after week. Think about it. Think the beauty and the glory and the wonder of the good news we sang the Basodia's, I believe, have done their best, are doing their best. They just did another outreach just like two weekends ago. I got a text, that, hey, be praying for the Basodia's. They're going to be presenting the gospel at such and such a location. Well, how about us? This is a goldmine. Maybe the Lord would be speaking to you to take it to a whole new level. I have a final challenge I want to give you from Miley. Miley was asked, do you have a challenge for the American churches, because he knows that the truth of this, there's no way that anybody's going to be able to believe on the Lord Jesus unless you literally get up, go, leave behind whatever, at the Lord's direction, of course, and go and preach. So Miley says this, and I close with this. This is right, I'm not making this up, this is transcribed right off of a recording Yes, living in the land of Papua New Guinea is very difficult. You living in America have life somewhat nicer and you have many various things, but you cannot allow yourself to be like living inside a prison regarding having such a life and many things. You in America have very many material things. You have money, cars, and various things, but you cannot be placing your confidence in those things or be lusting after them, but rather consider If whether you are thirsting for obeying God's word, like you would thirst for water. Miley has a life that backs what he's saying. Decades, decades. Again, his possessions fit in a little shopping bag. I'm saying these things to strengthen you and to help you. I'm saying these things to strengthen you, but you too help us by praying for us here in papua new guinea as we work together in this difficult work and we too in helping you will pray for you so that you will do god's work well and when all the people in all the corners of the world have finally heard god's talk and after jesus comes for us again and we were all finally together in heaven what a wonderful indescribable time that will be. Miley is the one that says I don't even go near the creeks lest panning for gold takes me away from what God has called me to do. Indescribable time. I saw a vast crowd, Revelation 7, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language. No one's excluded. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar. Can you imagine what that's going to sound like? Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Think of the paradox. A Lamb that was slain on the throne? Wait, what? What an unbelievable Savior we have. I just pray, I don't know what journey you're on with the Lord, but I just pray that you will yield to whatever He said, one step at a time. God leads by flashlight, eh? I don't see the future. I could give you fear stories. You want fear stories? I could give you fear stories. It's like putting on a suit with me. Fear seems to go with me no matter where I go. But he is able to enable in the midst of the weakness. If he does the flashlight one step at a time, you don't have to have a searchlight where you got the next five years lit up, right? Trust him. All right, my dear friends, I've gone long enough. Don't look at your watches. You only get a bad attitude. But anyway, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me commit our time to the Lord here and we'll ask the band... Uh, to come up, Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters, for everyone here. Lord, everyone is precious in your sight. I pray for anyone who may be discouraged, maybe some who just need a reassurance of your love, of forgiveness, that you really do love them with eyes wide open. Maybe some here that long to serve you in a deeper way, but they just don't know what the next step is. I pray you would make that clear. Thank you for so many wonderful ministries in the foyer that are represented. I pray people will go. They will ask. They will find ways to take it to a whole new level. Lord, wrap your loving arms around each and every one. We commit ourselves to you afresh in your name. Amen.